Like you really do have to evaluate whether or not you're doing that for your own learning or to help these clients, or are you doing it because you're afraid of what other people think of you? Welcome to the Sawyer Vet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet, Now What? I am your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. It still surprises me that I am in my fourth year of practice. Time has a really funny way of moving faster and faster with each year out of vet school. So I took a little time to reflect and think back on the last few years in practice and started writing down some of the lessons that I've learned. To be honest, if I were to write down every single lesson, I'd still be writing right now. (laughs) So out of that grand list, I wanted to share four of the bigger lessons I've learned in my first four years of practice. And not so that you guys don't have to learn them, but you're still going to have to come to that realization on your own. But I'm sharing them so that if you're questioning yourself about some of these things, you won't feel so alone. So with that, let's dive into today's episode. All right. Welcome back, you guys. This is a fun episode, I think. Um, Yes, it is a solo episode. But as I mentioned in the intro, I did a little bit of reflecting. I went through the last four, yes, four years of practice. I never would have thought, like, if I were to be to talk to my, you're graduating from vet school self and say, hey, this is what practice is going to look like in four years, never would have crossed my mind that this is what practice would look like. Like, never would have. Quite honestly, I don't think I was thinking past six months, (laughs) to be real. When you graduate vet school, like, I guess even before vet school, you, the first major milestone is let's get into vet school. And then you get into vet school and you're like, cool, let's pass first year. And you pass first year and then second year and then third year. And then you get to fourth year and you're like, oh, Nelly, like I'm about to graduate. (laughs) I'm about to actually be a vet. I haven't really thought past the four years. That is an absolute slog, an absolute marathon. And so to get into your first year of practice, this is part of the reason I always say that first year is the absolute hardest is because a lot of us haven't really thought about, okay, what is my first year really going to look like? And even after that, you kind of get through the first year and then year two, year three, now year four hits and you take a step back and you're like, oh, did that just happen? Did I really just make it through four years of practice? I've pretty much like coming through this year, I will have been out of vet school the same amount of time that I was in vet school. And that is an interesting milestone to really get through and wrap your head around because the amount of information that you learn in vet school pales, pales in comparison to the amount of information and life experience that you get in the four years after vet school. Like, actually mind-blowing, you guys. 
And I know some of you are like, oh, I've been in practice for however many years and four years is nothing. I'm like, that's fine for you. I'm going to deal with that milestone when I get to it. But right now I'm dealing with the year four milestone. And for me, that's a big deal. And for you guys that are just coming out of vet school, you're like, oh, four years in practice, that feels like forever from now. But trust me, it's going to go way faster, way faster than you ever anticipated. So for today's episode, again, I'm going to boil down four of the bigger episodes. Granted, there are so many that I would want to choose to share to my new grad self or to you guys. And again, I don't share them because by telling you, you're going to magically learn it and you're not going to have to go through those struggles. No, I share them so that you're like, okay, when I do come across it, I'm not, you know that you're not the only one who's experienced it, that you know that, all right, you know what? This is probably part of the journey, but I feel a little bit more prepared to handle it because someone else has talked me through it. So that's more or less the mindset that we're going into this with. So four major points that we're going to look at. And the first one out of four is I learned that you really need to ask for help. Not mind-blowing, not a big thing, but it is something that you have to come to realization for. And this goes along the lines of find a mentor, find a mentor within practice, find a mentor out of practice. But the same thing that we talk about on this podcast every single week, find a mentor, ask for help. Honestly, looking at it from the aspect of, yes, you need to ask for help, but the reason for that is you've just graduated vet school. You know, honestly, kind of diddly squat (laughs) compared to what you will learn in your life of practice. And let me further break that down by saying when you're in vet school, you learn information that is a mile wide and an inch deep. Then you get into practice and you must then learn information that is a mile deep and an inch wide. So the actual scope of what you're learning is a bit different. So yeah, I honestly, I talk to new grads who come out of vet school and I'm like, man, you guys know a lot of stuff, <laughs> like a lot of really fine details of some stuff. And then you put them into real practice and they, they still kind of struggle with some things because again, that information was a mile wide. It was an inch deep. And now you're asking them, hey, find an inch and go a mile deep in it. So you are going to have to ask for help. You don't know a lot, honestly, when you graduate vet school. You don't have the repetitive skills, per se, in a lot of areas to just go off on your own and do it. Like You need to ask for help. And it's not necessarily from a a standpoint of saying, like, you're a baby vet. You don't know what you're doing. Like, no, you are a full-fledged veterinarian. Thank you very much. The area that you need help in is more or less just developing that community, strengthening the fact that even veterinarians who've been out for 50 years, they still ask for help. Like that is a part of being a veterinarian is understanding where the limits of your knowledge, where the limits of your experience are, but also saying, hey, just because I can do it by myself doesn't mean I should. That's the other big area of learning to ask for help. Just because you can do something by yourself doesn't mean you should. One of those um, in-clinic experiences, honestly, is like when you're doing a gastropexy. Just because you can do the darn gastropexy by yourself doesn't mean you always should. If you have someone that's available to hold that body wall out for you, do it. Because A, it's going to allow you to have better visualization. You're going to be able to do it with a higher accuracy and faster speed, shorter anesthetic time. Boom. There you go. Yes, you could do it by yourself, but doesn't mean that you should. So that's the first main one. (laughs) Learn to ask for help. The second one, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on this one, 
is set boundaries. Yes, yes, setting boundaries. You're probably talking to the queen of not setting boundaries here. <laughs> put that one right out there. So a lot of these things, again, I'm, I've learned and I still need to learn to put into practice better. So bear with me. Um, but yes, it goes without saying that veterinary medicine is hard. We are a people-pleasing, we are like bleeding heart type of people. We're also mostly, not everyone, this is not a generalization, are type A type people. And so setting boundaries doesn't always go so well. <laughs> but we also know from experience and seeing what's happening in the grander veterinary practice is that if you don't set boundaries, you're on a fast road to burnout. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a thing. So learning to set boundaries as a new grad will, again, set you up for patterns that will put you in a successful route further down the line. It will also allow your staff to be more successful. It'll allow your clients and your patients to be more successful by having boundaries. And this is not without the caveat of saying there is such a thing as too harsh or too strict of boundaries. There should definitely be a it depends quotations around a lot of things. But if you go into a conversation with at least a set of boundaries, that will help you as you manage these different situations that appear. So some of the areas that um, you may need to set boundaries for are going to surround your schedule. That is probably a bigger one is when everyone thinks of boundaries is so setting your schedule. So not going in on your day off, not bringing your work home, not calling your clients at home. This was a big one when I first started, but not giving your phone number out to clients, like your personal number. I didn't do that. Other people did. And I was not about to cross that road. Nope, we're not about to do that. Maybe it's calling clients on your day off, etc. And again, these are not set in stone. It's not to say, oh my gosh, I will never call a client on my day off or I will never go into the office on my day off. Like I did that in my first year, partly because again, I wanted to gain more experience. So I went in and saw it or helped with the surgery on my day off. Or I said, hmm, you know what? I'm going to be out of town this coming weekend and my lab work is starting to pile up. Let me just nip into the office for a couple hours and get some of that stuff done. So there are variations. There are flexibilities, I guess you could say, on some of these boundaries. But that is for you to decide. The important thing is that you've set the boundary in the first place. The other really important part of this is that you don't have to be everything to everyone. That would be the flip side of, of what I've learned about setting boundaries, is you do not have to be everything to everyone. Again, in your first year, first two years, you may feel like you're trying to, in a way, trying to impress people, trying to show them that you're a good doctor, that you can do hard things, that you can take on these extra cases and clients. Doesn't mean that you have to. Like, you really do have to evaluate whether or not you're doing that for your own learning or to help these clients, or are you doing it because you're afraid of what other people think of you? I'm going to let that sink in for a second. <laughs> are you doing things because you're afraid or worried about what other people think of you? That is something that was really hard for me to kind of um, sink into and learn about myself because, again, I am someone who is like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, well, let me show you type of thing. And that's not always a healthy way to approach things. But being able to say, you know what, I don't have to be everything to everyone really freed me up. It gives me more joy when I am able to help or when I am able to serve in that function. But I'm not doing it out of a, oh my gosh, I have to show them that I can do it or else. Like you see, there's two different 
conversations happening there. So again, for yourselves, like as you're in that first two years out, like, yes, you want to be learning as much as you can. Yes, you want to be expanding your skills and your knowledge, but there are limits to that. And I really want you guys to think about that as you are given these opportunities as you're in practice. Because again, those are patterns that you will set up from here on now. And if you're able to realize that about yourself now, it's again, going to make you more successful. It's going to make your practice more successful. You're going to have better relationships with your clients and staff members as a result. So that kind of rounds out the whole setting boundaries, the thing that I've learned. The third thing that I've learned, this one a little bit, well, yeah, I guess more recently, in a way it ties into setting boundaries, but it's that some people are mean and it's not your job to fix them or it's not your job or you are not going to be able to fix the situation. And without giving honestly too much detail, like I've, yes, I've been absolutely yelled at by clients. I've also been lit into by colleagues Yes, by other veterinarians for things that did not deserve that level of abuse. And I'm going to use that word, abuse, it was. And those hurt. They stung, mostly because, again, I'm someone who wants to fix things. I want to be the peacekeeper. Um, and that's kind of my own personal thing. Maybe that's not you. But some people truly are going to be mean to you. And it's not your job to fix them. It's not your job to try and fix the situation. No matter what you do, in some cases, people are still going to find things that they don't like about what you did. And that is okay. I've heard it said another way is you can be the sweetest peach on the face of the planet. But if someone hates peaches, they're not going to like you. Like, it is what it is. And it's a little bit easier when it's clients because you can say, well, they don't have to see me again. You can put a note do not see Dr. So-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Or they might do the, the same to you, which is fine because then you're like, okay, that just means we did not get along well enough to have this doctor-client relationship. It's a little bit harder when it comes from a colleague. And the first thing I will say is you do not have to tolerate that level of abuse. Like you do not flat out. There is no reason for you to have to put up with that. And hopefully you are in a situation where you can go to upper management and they can help rectify the situation but again, it is not your place to try and fix everything because sometimes that just causes more and more hurt. But I also challenge you guys that in those situations, maybe you've been in the same or you're afraid that you will be in the same kind of situation. I challenge you to look at things from a different perspective rather than saying, well, I don't like them either and I'm just going to shut them out and they're just a blah, blah, blah. And honestly, by doing that, you're kind of doing the same thing to them. You're no better by going at it that way. So I challenge you to look at the situation and say, wow, that person obviously has had something happen in their life for multiple times that they've been hurt in a way that they are now displacing that upon you, <laughs> a person that can do absolutely nothing about it. And by changing that frame of mind, that has helped me work through some of these situations that have happened. And again, it allows me to kind of come out the other side, not feeling resentful for the way that someone treated me. And yes, I know not every single situation is going to have a bright and sunshiny outcome like that. But if you go into a lot of these situations with empathy and trying to understand, you're going to get hurt less on the outcome. And that's that's one big thing. Additionally, 
when you are dealing with these kind of people, like you can also, I guess what I'm trying to say is like in the situation that I was in, I literally, the way I responded to this person, they were like, I'm very, very angry and every blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I hear you, but there were nicer ways to say it. And they kept trying to go at me and I said, there were nicer ways to say it. And that's kind of where we left it. And the person paused, (laughs) quite honestly, because that was my little breakthrough moment with them. And again, it's not going to be like that for every single person or every single situation. But I kind of felt like I was talking to a toddler, to be honest. But um, (laughs) that's beside the point. But again, being able to evaluate things from a different perspective and change your framework is going to, A, probably have a better outcome for both of you. You definitely are going to be less hurt on the flip side when you look at it from that respect. But also just realizing, again, some people are going to displace that hurt in very unkind ways, but it's not your job to fix them. So I'm sorry if you guys have ever been put in that situation. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to be the only time um, you've ever experienced it, but hopefully you can move forward with a, a change in frame of mind moving forward. Okay. So on that note, the last major thing that I want to share with you guys that I have learned in these last four years in practice is to just have fun. Vet med, it is pretty awesome. Like if you think about what we get to do and like I'm a general practitioner, so that my day to day is really varied. It goes from here's a well puppy or a kitten getting their vaccines and you're getting all the little snuggles and the puppy kisses and the puppy breath. Oh, just makes me so happy. And then, boom, right next door, you go to, oh my gosh, this is a super complicated case and I have no idea what I'm dealing with, to boom, there's a cat and respiratory failure, cardiac failure, and I have euthanasia. And so it just like, it never stops. But being able to lean into the things that you love within practice, like maybe that's creating social media content, maybe that's puppy visits, maybe that's ophthalmology, maybe it's wound care, like really lean into these little niches that you find that you really enjoy because those are going to be the things that give you a little bit of spark or a little bit of a pick-me-up when you need it in practice. Because we know it's really hard. They have really tough cases. You have really sad, emotionally draining cases. But the thing that keeps us coming back to working in vet med, and honestly, this is the same for any job, is finding something that you really enjoy and leaning into it, like lean into it hard. Maybe find a way that you can then teach that to other people. Because again, that mindset of mentorship, it all comes back to that, you guys. Having that mindset of mentorship means that you're not only leaning into the things that you love, but you're saying, hey, that vet tech really loves anesthesia. I have a challenging case coming up, like let's work together on this. Or honestly, any little thing like, hey, that technician assistant really wants to go to vet school. So draw them in every time you do a cytology, maybe have them scrub in and help hold that body wall and that gastropexy, like all those little things. Find ways to ignite excitement and passion in your colleagues as well. Because when you're caring for your community, that is one of the ways that you can fill your cup as well. So I mean, like vet med, It is just so fun. I mean, I am here now four years out, and maybe this is the thing a lot of you need to hear. Like, I am four years out, and I still love my job as much as I did on day one. Not many people can say that. Honestly, not many people can say that. And that makes me sad, honestly, that not many people can say that. But part of the reason that is the case is because 
A, I'm thankfully in a practice that is really supportive of my um, odd quirkiness of really enjoying random things in practice. But they're also just a really fun group of people to be around. And we're honestly looking for ways to inspire, encourage and challenge each other. We also like to have a little bit of fun. So like even the other day, I um, pranked our front desk by covering their entirety of reception in little rubber duckies. Yep, I did that. It was fun. Made sure that they were not in a location that any pet could ever get to. But it was just something random. Made me smile, that's for sure. I think it made the front desk smile. I think. (laughs) No one said anything um, to me otherwise. But like those little fun things, like with your community, with your own job, like you can have fun. You can enjoy this profession and you can enjoy it for a long period of time, like all the way to retirement. Like honestly, it can happen. And so my wish for you guys is that you're able to find ways to have fun, even if you're in your first year in practice and you're just worried about making it through the next day. Like find something fun, even if it's at the very end of the day, you sit down in your car, you're like, oh my gosh, what happened today? If you can find one thing, one thing that was fun, one thing that was exciting and lean into that, that will help just a little bit as you get to the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. And if you create that pattern of reflection every day, that will become more of a muscle memory. And that will then snowball to the next day, week, month, year as you move through this profession. So there you go, you guys. There's four of the things that I've learned in my last um, four years in practice. Hopefully, they're encouraging for you guys, challenging in some good ways, I hope. And if you have any questions about any of this, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to chat about them. If you have thoughts or questions, again, I'm happy to chat about them. I'm happy to hear from you guys. And you can reach me through on Instagram. Um, you can also find me here. But also, like, there's an awesome community here as well if you want to ask other mentors about questions that you have. But with that, I will say goodbye, and I'll see you guys next week. Toodles. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What? or Non-Clinical Skills Training Class of the same name. Until next time, take care. (laughs) 